Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Bang! And welcome to the IGN UK podcast. This week, we're talking all about shooters of the past and present. To help me do so, it's a double mat attack. We've got firing, quickfire thoughts and opinions on video games. The Uzi that is Matt Perslow. How's it going? Hello, you think I'm an Uzi? Yeah, why not? Go on then, I'll take it. Yeah, take it. And we've got the social sniper rifle. Matt Jones is in the building. I was say, I'm, I'm kind of also an Uzi, but it's spelled O O Z Y. We we will not go further into what that means. <laughs> um, first, I've got um, some news to bring you. I'm afraid I lied to everyone. You know, last week when I said we're doing a live podcast, we are still doing a live podcast. But that date I suggested of in a few weeks time, that was complete bollocks. Um, so um, it wasn't deliberate. That was the plan back then. Uh, things have moved. So um, we haven't got a solid date yet, but it will be further in the future than that. Hopefully still this year, but we don't want to promise anything because it's just not easy to book a venue in, in central London. As we've discovered, <laughs> yeah. as we've discovered um, but many horror stories that don't need to be broadcast. I think yeah. if you want to hang out after the show that eventually happens, we'll tell you the story, but yeah. that's not getting recorded. No, we'll, um, we fully intend on doing it though. And we, we more than likely will. And you know what? We're going to aim to do it on a Friday as well, just to make it easier for people to come because we know people have to travel, but yeah, we'll update you when we know more, but Sorry I lied, didn't mean to. Oh, it'd be a funny story to tell in a year, wouldn't it? Uh, it's not even that interesting a story. Should we talk about some video games? <laughs> go on then. Yeah, yeah, go on then. Okay, good. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk all about shooters this week. All three of us, we've been playing different shooters this week, so we're going to give some thoughts on that. We're also going to do some, I've called it, shooter shout-outs. We're going to pick, not necessarily our top three of all-time shooters, but three shooters we just want to give a shout-out to for doing something different or being important or just, you know, being the, oh, the quirky guys we are who love shooting things. Um, first up, though, I'm reviewing Overwatch 2. That's a, I'm sure that's a shock to some people. Um, I like Overwatch, and I'm happy to say that Overwatch 2 is setting it back on the path of being a great game again. Because for what, the first two to three years of its lifespan, Overwatch, the original Overwatch, was the game I've played the most. Mm-hmm. The most exciting game I've probably ever played, minute to minute. Like, just the most addictive gameplay. Absolutely adore it. But then, you know, the last couple of years, it did descend into a swampy meta of shields everywhere and not the game I think a lot of people wanted to play, which is a shame. Thankfully, Overwatch 2 has solved a lot of those issues. It does have some new issues, but I don't think they're anywhere near as big as the ones of the past. Um, Obviously, the biggest change is going from 6v6 to 5v5, which, you know, 
some people are going to learn some some home truths. Some people are going to find out they were the worst people out of their, their friend group of six. For everybody, yeah, exactly. That was like, oh, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. You're not as good. Yeah, <laughs> watch. I can't make time for you. Oh, you can sit and coach, I guess, but you can't yeah. play. Especially as that one person. If you're a tank player, you're on you're on dodgy footing. Let's say because mm. there's only one tank per comp now rather than two, which that just. I think like obviously the the chat ever since Overwatch Two was unveiled, what almost three years ago now, the talk was always like, is this really a sequel? Like, how much is it really going to change? And I get those arguments. Like, they've not added a ton of content with the new, but this shift from six v six, it's only one player less on each side. It makes such a massive difference to how the game's played. It's so much more now of like a brawler, or like arena shooter. It's like one v one battles, less slow tactical play, which I'm kind of. Still kind of split on because, it, like we said, it gets rid of those shields, does make it a much more fun game to play at the moment, but it does kind of lose a little bit of that magic of what made Overwatch so special to me, which is the the tactical comps. change and reading, because obviously I've read your review. It's a very good Mm. review. We'll point out for anybody that wants to go and read it. I think one of your best reviews you've probably done, Carly, so congratulations. It's um, a low bar. That... That... um, (laughs) discussion actually is kind of one of the things that makes me worried for my own personal enjoyment of overwatch because so much that i got out of it was that very much that kind of team members coming together and using those overlapping kind of Mm. skills and that systemic sort of approach of this character really locks well with this character because you can do this together and i worry that kind of like maybe for my personal enjoyment of overwatch moving towards that kind of more 1v1 brawling Mm-hmm. maybe isn't quite what I'm looking for. But tell me why you think that that shift is beneficial. It's beneficial just because, like we said, like the last couple of years it was stuck in this like attritional battle mode where basically there was layers upon layers of shields. There'd be characters with a shield each. Symmetra could summon an infinite shield out of nowhere. That still exists. And now, but like that changes kind of, I think I spoke about it a while back, like, the whole philosophy you can just see in the change to Arisa, who was a very defensive mm-hmm. tank with a big shield that basically she was like key to the meta for about two years. You'd put that big shield down, you'd have a Torbjorn or a Bastion behind it, and you're set up for life, basically. She doesn't have a shield anymore. She's mm-hmm. now much more of like an attack tank getting in there, doing damage. And that just kind of symbolizes this change in philosophy, I think, that... It's, it is now much more fun to play because you can kill people, which is what a shooter is all about. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you were defending in the last couple of years in Overwatch, if you if you had a couple of people that knew what they were doing as tanks and healers, you could pretty much like see most attacks out. Um, I do. I've grown on. So when I wrote my um, review in progress, which went live what yesterday, I, um, so. I was a bit. Um, more down on the new mode push but mm. i actually played some games yesterday which have turned my opinions around it more and i it is growing on me more so push is a new mode similar in a way to escort or the payload mode that's like synonymous with overwatch really but the difference is there's one basically one payload in the middle that this big robot pushes from one end of the map to the other and whoever's got it further at the end of the time wins or whoever gets it to the end wins and basically for the first good few goes of playing that i was like this is this is good it centralizes the fight it keeps overwatch ticking along but you can like i feel like once you're losing it's very hard to come Mm -hmm. back in that mode 
saying that, I played one game last night where we had a thrilling comeback, snatched nice. it from like the jaws of defeat, and I was like, and that gave me that hit of like, this is what Overwatch is all about. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe the more people get used to that mode, the more you will enjoy it because you realise, right, we've got to push this back. And it was that thrill of like, very rarely, like we'll talk about it maybe in some of the shoes I'll mention later, very rarely do I have that feeling of like utter satisfaction when you finish a game mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like, oh, it's good. But yeah, I'm just... We can talk. We, do you want to go into the microtransactions? I feel like it's a massive part of it. Just the way it, this game has changed. Yes, we'd be remiss in not talking about this. I think. I, yeah, I feel. Oh, it's like lovely. This. Oh, it's great. I really <laughs> <Yeah>. want. <it. laughs> well, the, that's the thing. It's it's not. I'm st- until it's been out for like a full season. I th- mm-hmm. I don't think we'll know how good or bad these microtransactions are because you can. Is it better the devil you know? I don't know. So Overwatch was originally what a six a full sixty dollar sixty pound mm-hmm. game. That had loot boxes, which obviously loot boxes are considered to be inherently bad in games. I've I've never been as down on loot boxes just because I know I'm a control person. If once a month I want to spend three pounds on loot boxes and have a bit of fun, I'll do it. I do also realise on the other hand why they are bad if you're a thirteen year old who has access mm-hmm. to an account and end up spending a thousand. I also guess it depends on what's in the loot box yes. um, for Overwatch, you know, as much as particularly in kind of its first three years, it has some tremendous art design skins mm-hmm. in, in there, uh, which does mean that they feel like they are valuable. But ultimately, <laughs> they're sort of things that you don't see yourself in game because you play it from first yep. person. So, I, you know, those loot boxes seem less egregious to me than certain other video games yeah, that do especially it as they're, Especially as they're cosmetic only, then it's mm-hmm. never a pay to win thing. This is where Overwatch 2 kind of differs slightly, and yeah. the fact is Overwatch 2 is now a free-to-play game, so anyone can download it for free, like your Apexes, your Warzones, they're very much following the model, you know, Activision Blizzard, probably looking at how much money Warzone has made and gone, why don't we do that, which, you know, you can you can see why they've done it. Mm-hmm. That means that Overwatch now has a battle pass system, so every nine weeks... A new season starts with new themed skins, new heroes will drop, new maps, new modes. I've actually had a sneak peek into the first five seasons of content, so about the next eight months. I can't say any details about what I've seen, but I can say just like on a whole, like can as an Overwatch fan, being an industry insider, <laughs> I can more just to tell people. Ooh, I you can't know, tell you. <laughs> I, I can't tell you, but I can tell you there's definitely stuff worth being excited about. Like I'm not bullshitting. Like there's genuinely some very cool like heroes maps and even modes coming. So like there's yeah, stuff to look forward to. So that premium battle pass, there's a free tier, of course, um, as there is with most battle passes. And the premium tier costs a thousand Overwatch coins, which is roughly ten dollars, which is what four hundred quid at the moment. I don't know uh, how much uh, the economy's <laughs> tanked in the last recording. hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, like I said, it'll be hard to know until a full season's out how quickly you can progress mm-hmm. up that battle pass with XP. I think roughly you could. The way I've been playing your daily challenges and the XP, it's been working out like I've been going up a tier a day. But that's only from playing about an hour and a half to two hours a day. So with these daily challenges, presumably yes. these are challenges that ask you to use specific like heroes or do specific things. Sometimes they're like, yeah, sometimes they're as simple as play three games. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're like group up with someone and play two games. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're like play support for a game. Like I, I haven't seen... I haven't seen one that's as specific as use this hero or right. use this mm. ability that to kill someone. That always struck me wrong when like I, I played quite a lot of the Halo Infinite. Um, this is exactly beta. where yeah. I was going yeah. to. 
Uh, and when it just it said like I'll oh, use this specific gun uh, a mm-hmm. lot of times or like hit somebody with a explosive barrel, be like it it informed the way that I play, and I wouldn't want to annoy somebody else by like trying to like grind this stuff out at a time when people yeah. are just trying to win matches. Mm-hmm. I always find that really annoying. And as much as like you could say like oh well if you don't like the system then don't engage with it, I can't account for all the rest of the people on my team exactly. that are going to as well. Like it, that's yeah, always it really a problem. I always had that problem with um like Warzone and Fortnite and Battle Royales where people would be playing for challenges. Yeah. You drop them with randomers on a team but their challenges drop in the specific zone so they go off by mm-hmm. themselves. It's like okay well we've lost. <laughs> I actually um, think that like this whole daily challenge I understand why it exists. I, I think yeah. it's quite uh, certainly now after they've been in in games for what like three years, four years maybe mm-hmm. at this point. I think they are probably detrimental to the overall experience. Even yeah. if you specifically enjoy doing them, there are mm-hmm. going to be people on your team that don't like that you're trying to chase. Yeah, particularly if they're egregious versions of them. Yeah. You do get decent XP just from winning, so hopefully that influences people. But um, there's also weekly and seasonal mm-hmm. challenges. So there's so many challenges to do. There's 80 tiers to the Battle Pass, which in nine weeks seems quite daunting. But at the start, I reckon I'll probably work my way up it just because I love Overwatch and I'll be into it. And when um, do you unlock a character? So that's that's the thing. This is the my main worry for it, is that... So when a new hero comes in the, at the start of a season... If you pay the premium $10, um, you get that hero instantly. So you unlock them at tier one. If you if you choose not to pay for the battle pass, then you don't unlock them on the free battle pass until level 55, which is a long mm-hmm. way up. That will take you quite a while. You better the one... like playing Overwatch 2. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, this is the balance they've got, mate. So Kiriko's the new hero joining Overwatch. And she, at the moment, is very powerful. I will say she's very powerful in the right hands because she's a very high-skill character. So it's not like you're going to pick up an instantly. She's not like an instant win. If you're good at Overwatch, you'll be, she'll be very good. But um, that's where the problem is. Like when If they release a new hero like that, that is significantly powerful and everyone wants, like, feels the need to have her in the comp, you're going to need to pay to get her early or you're going to need to play a lot. I will say the one way they get around this is it's similar to the way they've always done with Overwatch. So for the first three weeks of that character's existence, they're not allowed in competitive mm-hmm. mode. So in comp, at least, it is a more even playing field, but in quick play, it's fair game. So it's, it's that take with one hand, give with the other, isn't it? It's like... They got rid of loot boxes, which people moaned about for years. They've given you this new system, which is inherently more fair. You know what you're going to get. You can choose whether you want to buy it or not. But does it does it bring in that ever so slight element of pay to win? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's hard to say at this point. It's just something to be, I think, keep an eye on, isn't it? But I don't want to be too negative because on the whole... Is, is the game Overwatch. good? The game is very fun. <laughs> right. The game Overwatch is as fun to play now as it has been in about three years. So I'm very happy about that. I'm going to play a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm even hopeful for the future. Like I said, that like it can, don't know if it'll ever reach the heights that it did in like 2017, 2018, but like I'm, I'm happy. I'm ex- it's an excited time, an excited time, an exciting time to be an Overwatch fan again. And I'm just, I'm grateful more than anything that I can feel that. Do you know anything about the co-op campaign? So, I've not been given any extra details about that. Mm-hmm. They say it's coming next year. Um, and that is 
the thing that I'm probably most excited about as an Overwatch fan, as someone who loves that world, those characters. Like I've been wanting proper story. Like the dream is always like an arcane style Netflix series for Overwatch. Yeah. Fingers crossed still one day we might get something like that. You never know. But like the story missions were really what was going to set it apart as a true sequel for me. And the fact we're not getting those until 2023 and don't have any more specific date than that is a little worrying. I hope they don't just evolve into what their old PvP was, which is like a five-minute mode. They promised, like, they did presentations a year or two ago that promised so much for it. Mm -hmm. So I hope they do deliver that. And I do, like... That's the one thing, whenever I've spoken to the devs over at Blizzard who work on Overwatch, like they do so clearly, passionately care about this world and they want to make it great. I just hope they have mm-hmm. the resources and time to the, do it. The main reason why I was asking is, is like obviously there's a lot of stuff out there about Overwatch 2 now the first embargo is lifted. Yeah. Um, but I'd seen people referring to the idea of PvE as a seasonal thing rather than... Yes. So it's oh, not... they announced that a little while ago. So yeah, like this, the PVE drops are now gonna be coming with each season. So you'll get like a new mission each, like nine weeks or so. See, my and worry that about is... that is that is it just gonna be kind of like you know the PVE missions they did, like what, a jump, you know, and... yeah, or so that one where you have to escape Venice or something. Yeah, yeah. And like my hope for it when you know when it was first announced, uh, I can remember me and you were in like mm. the studio watching. Overwatch 2 being announced at BlizzCon that year and it's announcement of a PvE co-op campaign I was like okay they're doing like Back for Blood Left for Dead style stuff in Overwatch and my hope for it was like a full campaign and my worry is is that now it's a seasonal content thing seasonal content's very different to a campaign that is launched and because I was expecting when they split it that okay the campaign's going to cost us like 50 50 bucks yeah and you'll get like what six to eight hour actual yeah. like, story mm-hmm. yeah. yeah seasonal Whereas content these... implies to me like uh tf2 man versus the machine stuff mm-hmm. yeah i'm hoping it's more than that i feel like they know people expect it to be more than that at this point and i'm hoping it's not just a 10 minute mission and done yeah but, mm-hmm. like i literally i have no information it's more hope than anything yeah. it might be one of those cases where because clearly develop on development on this has been protracted mm-hmm. um maybe it's a case of because they've decided to ship the the PvP early, it's mm-hmm. like rather than finishing a campaign, let's carve it into pieces and, and yeah. ship them off one mission at a time. And so if it's still the same mission design as I'd expect out of a bigger campaign just delivered episodically, let's say, then I kind of still have like that. That's what I hope for. If it does turn out, it's just like those... Um, like special event PVE things that they used to do, you know, mm-hmm. with a little bit more shiny on it. Like I think overall Overwatch Two won't have blossomed into what I hoped it would. No, I, uh, it's fun to play at the moment though, and people what next mm. Tuesday it's out free to play cool. for everyone. So mm-hmm. give it a go. Um, that's when my full review out. These were my early impressions. This was not my full review. My full review out with a score about next week. I look forward to it. I yeah. enjoyed that you went a little bit uh, partridge with some of it as well. You were saying that it was an evolution, not a revolution. Uh, yeah, I, can't, I, I was almost tempted to do the full partridge script. Mm-hmm. I think I went reinvention, uh, evolution, not reinvention, just mm-hmm. so I didn't develop. I think I actually did that partridge quote in a in a prove or a FIFA review about four years ago. So I can't I can't reuse. And I know how much. Joe will be rolling his eyes because I know how much he hates when I force Alan Partridge mm-hmm. quotes into things I write. So I'll never do it for you, Joe. Never do it again. Just know that's for you. Um, I haven't had a chance to play any of this yet, but I am quite excited. Matt J, you've been Hello. playing a bit of the Modern Warfare 2 beta. Yeah, uh, it's good. Hey. Good. Yeah. 
Uh, let's move on. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think that it's um, it's an interesting little thing has happened where mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if it's been quite a while since I've played one of these. We just had an opportunity to access a code for, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought I'd give it a go. Um, I really, really enjoyed it, and I think that that is not necessarily reflective of like the 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 majority of the community. Like people mm-hmm. that are very invested in uh, Call of Duty have said that the like time to kill is like really short. Oh, that's the debate every year. You, yeah. All you hear is TTK footsteps. Like yep. that's all, every every year they make. I mean, they are, those things are, are very. They're very, very important, important but every year it's like it's too long. It's too short. There's like there's no mm-hmm. middle ground. <laughs> the, the thing that I've always generally found is that Modern Warfare had the slightly longer one, and Black Ops was very much focused on Absolutely. incredibly quick kills. So it's interesting to hear that Modern Warfare has a shorter time to kill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the footsteps thing is definitely true too. Like people have, uh, they have actually addressed this. They're uh, they're going to make the, it a little bit less of a concern. But I was playing it, um, listening really intently, uh, and then getting incredibly quick kills, and I felt amazing doing it. Right, like mm-hmm. this, like actually doing the uh, casual play that I expect that a lot of the audience is going to do felt amazing. And you mm-hmm. can't I can't discount that. I had an amazing time with it. So hopefully a lot more people are going to feel similar. I feel like that is something that's happened the last couple of years with Call of Duty is like a few years ago it was like the people's game. Like everyone play, literally everyone played like the first couple of Modern Warfare's and Black Ops and like it was just it was the most casual of casual games. Whereas the last couple of years it has taken that route that other games have gone and almost become too esports focused and too mm-hmm. professional focused and like people focus in on that stuff more whereas millions of people probably just enjoy it for what it is as just one of the best casual shooters around and there's nothing wrong with that i don't think it's a very snackable game it's just like i can, yeah. I can take it for like 15 minutes you know get get like a round in and then definitely had that. back I've definitely yeah. had like moments during my work day as well where I've like I've got a meeting in ten minutes. Can mm-hmm. I get a round in of this beta? And, yeah. I, and I could. It was great. It's mm-hmm. weird. This, but yeah, like this almost like this almost like snobbish elite mm-hmm. of Call of Duty player. Now it's like if you see someone sees a gameplay in their comments, like why are you using that site with that grip on that mm-hmm. gun? It's like I'm just having some fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's the answer about... is because I haven't unlocked any other ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I don't care. Yeah. I'm just having a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the unlocks too, actually, because we're on that track. Um, um, mm. I think that they did something really interesting with the... I think this will probably carry on to the, the full game too, but in order to get the MP5, which is the one that is notorious for people just running around and mm. uh, like barely paying attention, you have to do a track of like single shot or like recoil-heavy burst fire weapons yeah. uh, in order to be able to unlock it. So in order for you to even have access to that, you have to play a very slow, considered game beforehand. It's almost like teaching you kind of like the the breadth of the guns that are available mm, in the game, right? Yeah, so that you don't just rush towards the like one style of play and have that Mm -hmm. be. uh, Eventually, you know, give this game long enough, it will uh, just entirely devolve into that. But for a first like couple weeks, I think it is going to be like uh, definitely at least different. Yeah, I. I, d- I don't know though. Like, I think that's an interesting argument to make though. Like, if the if there is a style of game that you want to be able to play, should mm. you just be able to have access to that mm-hmm. right right away? Like, should you be forced to do something that you probably don't want to do and don't enjoy in order to be able to access that? Yeah. Like, well, that almost harks back to that discussion we were having about the challenges, right? I guess yeah. the the difference is is a burst fire gun will still fucking kill something. 
and mm-hmm. whereas kind of like if you are if your challenge is to kill someone with an explosive barrel mm. you might be flailing that thing all over the place and not getting the kill um but i think yeah there's an interesting quote i don't know have an answer to it but there is an interesting question that like is it right to encourage someone to get to where they want to be to actually explore the breadth of the game and realize that there might be actually other guns that they are good with and are worthwhile yeah. or should you just let people have it's an interesting chat because this has been a chat with overwatch last few days because mm-hmm. they revealed that if you're new to overwatch if you never own yes. overwatch one you it will take you around 100 games to unlock every overwatch 2 character i i kind of get both sides of this i kind of i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing um because it is quite an overwhelming game to jump into and if you were i say this as someone who started over playing overwatch when there was what i don't it was 21 at launch even that mm-hmm. was a bit like i don't know who to pick don't know yeah. where to go here like being slowly led through those characters i think is probably a good thing because then you key to overwatch is not only knowing getting good at one or two characters you know you need to know what every character does so you know how to counter them mm-hmm. and what they're going to do so i thought that that was an interesting thing about overwatch to begin with mm-hmm. the first one uh that it who you picked as a character depended on the mode of what the level was doing yeah and reducing access to the tech like the tactics that you have for a new player is not effectively playing the game right like you don't have the ability to mold to where the tone of the like play is going to not necessarily but i also think i think you get like is it 15 to start with and you i think within a like quite a few games you unlock you've unlocked almost half of them Mm. and i think also games isn't it to get the full roster to get everyone Mm. roughly yeah and i think also um, if you play, say you're new to Overwatch and you're playing with someone who has played Overwatch, you that's taken away. So you, if they have access to the full roster, if you're playing with someone who has access to the full roster, then you also have access to that's the full roster. That's good then, yeah. Oh, if you're a new player, you probably don't understand what you're even missing. Yeah. So. <laughs> who knows? But yeah, that's kind of where it links to Call of Duty, I suppose. They've always locked weapons behind level gain to an extent. It was it, back in the day, and we'll get onto this a bit later, it used to be a lot simpler. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. I say I'm excited for more Modern Warfare too. I'm definitely excited for the campaign because they tend to deliver uh, Infinity Ward with oh, with, yeah. the, with their campaigns. Mm. I say it, tend to deliver. Is it they, the uh, same one they again? Do. I don't know what they're doing. They we just... don't, do you know? I've not looked too deep into it, but as far as I know, they haven't really given too many details about the campaign this time around. We it's... haven't really even have we seen maybe one mission. There's and the one trailer. that's like very clearly like um, crew expendable, where you're the on oil the boat rig. on the oil rig, yeah. yeah, with the with the crates moving left to right to create shifting cover, which you know I thought looks very standard Call of Duty, but enjoyably stand because I love yeah. the the modern warfare campaigns yeah, quite it's and large. Classic, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms Whether of, kind I... of the multiplayer, though, um, I loved Modern Warfare 2019's multiplayer. Me and you, Cardi, played so much of it, like, after yeah. work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's whether I'll jump into this year with Overwatch coming out. Yeah. And yeah. and Warzone 2 is due, right, in a couple of months as well yeah, after well, Modern just, Warfare. I think it's like 16th of November or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Whether I'll jump into much of the multiplayer, I might play... I assume they still have Gunfight. Might play quite I a bit hope so, because Gunfight is an absolute modern classic. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll, we'll probably talk about more of that when we get closer to Modern Warfare time. Matt. Hello. Perslow. Yes. <laughs> um, that's the first time I think I've done one with both of you. It's a nightmare. Can you let me sort this out? Um, Proteus. Yes. It's probably a game How a lot of people actually, haven't Perslow? heard of. 
What? How, how old are you? Do I have seniority on the name? Uh, I am 33, almost 34. Uh, no, years. I'm the junior. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'll call you junior then. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, it's Jay as well. Yeah. Um, Proteus mm-hmm. is a game probably a lot of people haven't heard of, but maybe should know about because it goes bang bang. It Tell goes me more. bang bang, and you can play it for free if you have uh, Xbox Game Pass. It has recently been launched on that service. Uh, I have to do the small little kind of disclaimer. It's published by Humble Games, who <laughs> I didn't even know IGN that. owns. <laughs> I have never spoken to a single person at Humble Games. I've got nothing to do with them. There we yeah. go. Um, but the game itself is developed by Bounding Box Software, and it is what the what the kids call a boomer shooter. So it's a. Uh, is that a double play on the fact that it's very boomy and also boomers loved them when they came out thirty years ago? I think it's a double. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's clever to be for that. Is clever. Mm-hmm. Fair play to the kids. <laughs> so it basically what it is is it's a it's a shooter made with modern technology, but it looks like it came out in the nineties. Um, mm. It is effectively Doom, but when I say it's Doom. Whilst kind of like those 90s graphics, it's definitely like a nicer looking game. It's closer to kind of, I guess, Duke Nukem 3D in kind of mm-hmm. like it's got like a higher kind of pixel density than what um, Doom ever had. And the animations are just that little bit smoother. Um, but gameplay wise, it's very Doom. But I would say it actually feels to me more like Doom 2016 that's been kind of like retrofied rather okay. than the original Doom that's kind of like just had a nice coat of paint because it's got that extra bit of kind of momentum to it that 2016 had and it's got whereas the original doom's level design is obviously incredibly kind of like uh narrow corridor focused it still has a lot of that exactly like 2016 had but there's a bit more kind of variety and interesting build to it which probably actually there's a huge kind of modding community out there for doom which make what they call WADs, W-A-Ds, um, which are kind of like essentially recreations of kind of, you know, new levels for Doom and stuff like that, where kind of like it's really kind of pushed what that original Doom engine can do in terms mm-hmm. of cool level design. It feels like it's got a bit of that to it, as well as kind of like what id's modern Doom sort of stuff is. But ultimately what that means is an incredibly fun sort of all-out action sort of shooter where you paint the walls with the insides of basically a bunch of characters that are clearly riffs on doom characters like there is its equivalent of the cacao demon there's its demon it's the equivalent of the imps that can throw like the fireballs it's got sort of its own version of hell knights uh, and obviously a bunch of like regular zombies and soldiers and stuff like that but um as you'd expect from ultimately like a reinvention of doom really really good use of combined enemy types so that you've got kind of like the pressure building of like am i supposed to be dealing with this horde of zombies that can't actually shoot me but if they come close to me is probably going to leech my health a lot because there's loads of them am i supposed to be dealing with this massive sack of flesh that's hanging in the sky am i supposed to be dealing with these things that are throwing fireballs at me how about the dude over there that's got a massive chain gun and that kind of puzzle about kind of like what yeah. am I going to take down first and what weapons am I going to use for it? Um, an absolutely beautiful array of kind of incredibly 90s guns. You've got a chain gun that obviously spin up the barrels and, and absolutely decimate things. 
Um, but then you've obviously got pistols, you've got uh, shotguns, you've got dual submachine guns. They've got a BFG guns. equivalent. You've got. I've just unlocked its equivalent of like the BFG, which kind of nice. like everything has an alternate fire, and it's been years since I've played games that like embrace the idea of like every gun has an alternate fire. There's basically mm-hmm. only the new Doom games I can think that really embrace that. <sighs> there was a game. What was it recently? I'm not saying it was a great game, but mm-hmm. it definitely did it. Does it sound like Outriders? It was a, a game like that. <laughs> but that classic, like, I my first, like, proper big introduction to, to shooters was, like, that early PlayStation 2 era was when I started playing them loads. Yeah. And every gun in, like, I can remember playing, I loved the Red Faction games, and all of their guns had alternate fires. It was, like, the normal yeah. one just shoots bullets, but the second one has some bananas kind of attachment. That is something it. that, for, for their faults, the Borderlands games have always been mm-hmm. good at as well, making mad weapons with alternate fires. Yeah. But every gun in this has an alternate fire. So it's kind of like the pistol is just a normal pistol when you shoot it. But if you do alternate fire, you aim down its iron sights and it's now a burst fire gun. But then you go to like um, the it's equivalent of, I guess, like the BFG or at least this energy weapon that I've got is when you fire it normally, it sends out kind of like bolts of electricity. But when you use alternate fire, you aim down the barrel and fire like the big style BFG kind of orb that then hits mm-hmm. things and makes them burst. Um, the shotgun you can turn into more of like a sniper rifle. You can charge the shot up and get like a really accurate kind of shot over time. You've got the super shotgun, which instead of two nice. barrels, it has four. Because, whoa, whoa. of course, and you can <laughs> fire all four of them off. Um, it's just like joyfully explosive in that way and kind of like finding out when it's like, okay, now is the time where alternate fire really changes kind of like the tempo of this battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so all it of that combined really... with it just being gory as fuck. Um, yeah. Excellent, as you'd expect, like a really good kind of heavy metal inspired score. Mm-hmm. It, it is just Doom in many ways. It is sort of just doing the same things. But A, we've not got a new Doom game <laughs> exactly. you know, anywhere close. And, and B, kind of like when it is a good version of that, that really kind of like you know obviously fulfills the business but i'm interested to i'd probably say uh, i'm i'm not going to assume that this is a massive campaign it's obviously it's an indie game um Mm -hmm. and the campaign is part of a larger package there's also kind of like a level designer and a multiplayer suite so obviously kind of like you know that when you're not a developer entirely focused on a campaign that probably means that the campaign is shorter um I'm going to guess I'm maybe about a third of the way through it. So I'm excited to see kind of like how their own ideas build as that campaign goes on. Kind of like there's already things like uh, it's save points when you if you get killed and you go back to them, it doesn't put you back in the game. Like all the enemies you've killed are already dead, mm-hmm. which means that kind of like, oh, so when... That you don't have to do that like, like pixel of health, like, yeah, like yeah, frantically it, running. It sort of also weirdly promises that, okay, if that's how it deals with its save points, what are the fights going to be like Mm. in the end third of the game when the difficulty spike is really up in the air? Kind of like if it's giving you the ability to come back and you don't have to re-kill what you had before, I'm really excited for the prospect of absolutely insane scale fights at the end. It sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'll give it a go when it's, I have the like, time it, to play. It's super simple to play. It's like just incredibly engaging from the off. It has like a weird kind of Super Mario Brothers style <laughs> overworld where you move between levels and then in levels you find kind of like materials 
that you can then take back to the start of the game where there's a shop which is how you unlock like your super shotgun okay. how you unlock like all of these there are there's clearly some sort of tiering system that unlocks absolutely batshit weapons that are locked behind glass panels at the moment for me when all of that comes into it i can imagine kind of like what is a good shooter could potentially be elevated to something that's genuinely a really really fantastic example of boomer shooters nice check really it cool. out especially if you have game pass because yeah. you won't have to pay an extra penny and the strange thing is i'd always heard that this was a oh, you've you've gotten ahead of my joke there <laughs> i'm gonna say that it was just a game about walking around wasn't it yeah <laughs> not yeah. proteus uh, no 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 proteus there we go. Check it out if you mm-hmm. if you like a bit of Doom. Um, let's get on to doing some shooter shout-outs. What a catchy little column we've come up with here. Um, we've picked three games each. Some of them might be our favourite shooters. Some of them might be ones that maybe people have forgotten about. We just want to, you know, raise from the dead. Um, we've got three each. We'll take turns. Matt J, I'm going to say you're going first. What Hello. Have you got first for us? Thank you for deferring to my, my youth to allow me to... <laughs> Look, you're still older than me. Yeah. Um, you remember that week, I think it was, where both Bioshock and The Darkness came out? Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. What a week, you know? Yeah. Bioshock was good. Yeah, but yeah. we're not talking about that one. We're talking about The Darkness. <laughs> uh, okay. it, Old least... Jackie. Yeah, exactly. It's... <laughs> I've been thinking about The Darkness quite a lot this week. Um, since Their first Storm album? Or... Exactly. I believe in a thing called love. I'm, I'm, more yeah. of a, I'm more a fan of Don't Let the Bells End. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. First album I ever bought with my own money. Really? Like, really? Permission Aww. to Land by The Darkness. It's good, go. though. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's also a good first-person shooter. <laughs> uh, so I've been thinking about it a lot um, since Gamescom because we'd learned that uh, High on Life is going to have like fully featured movies in it, mm-hmm. uh, and I was thinking about how cool it is that you can just like sit and watch all of To Kill a Mockingbird on the sofa. Like you know, this is a mo- This is a game where you've got like big tentacles that eat people, um, and then instead of like reloading your guns, you just throw them away and pick up an entirely different one. Mm-hmm. So, like overflowing with style, incredibly cool, and yet. Like yeah, just sit and watch <laughs> yeah the old To Kill a Mockingbird in black and white with your girlfriend. Why not? Yeah, uh, but I think I can't ima- I can't think of a game else that had done something like that. Right, that was the first one to really do it to include the, a full. There's kind movie. of watching stuff in GTA, but it's not yeah. in the same way. Like they are obviously kind of like small animated kind of like things, and particularly the at that point in in gaming that would be close to kind of gta 4 coming out i think gta 4's tv shows are literally just like single panels like what they are in max Payne, right yeah. that kind of well, you could through. go watch a full ricky gervais stand up if you wanted that's five that, right that five? Was that, that's four. Oh, is that four it's in four yeah Is that's it? four mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah what why else is the darkness good why is it a good shooter <laughs> uh it's got that like sometimes going back to world war one thing that was pretty cool like a nice little change in aesthetic Um, i'm not gonna lie to you i never played this game i can offer nothing to you about the darkness maybe i've missed out on a gem you you guys seem to like it i always thought it was not meant to be i meant to be good but not essential yes it's charming but it's over time i think Mm -hmm. it's also got that like there's a little bit of kind of openness to the darkness one they actually change this i'm i'm quite a fan of the sequel as well but i actually think the best darkness game would be a fusion of what the sequel does with almost like the structure of the first one. The sequel is much more, it's it's much faster paced. It's got a really nice comic book art style that harks back to the fact that the darkness is a comic book. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the first one has this kind of more interesting structure. It's a little bit more open. There's a little bit more freedom to kind of go and do what you want. And kind of like that wasn't massively being done in shooters at that time. No. It was kind of like, you know, a lot of shooters were, particularly by the constraints of the hardware, tended to be kind of more kind of linear affairs. And for this to have by no means an open world, but to actually have that level of being able to kind of explore around and kind of come back to places, I think was interesting. I would say, like it's Starbreeze, isn't it? They've always exactly. they've had an int- yeah. they've always tried to do in- interesting stuff. The the Riddick games, I know people uh, there's fans of those. Syndicate had ideas. It wasn't, uh, wasn't very good. <laughs> no, but like they they have ideas. I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also did Brothers, didn't they? Tale Two Sons, which is a a bit of a, a left think, turn. Well, um, are they more of wasn't a... that after the merger? Oh, I, Maybe, yeah. but that's clearly like because Brothers is uh, Joseph Farris, um, mm-hmm. yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but they... it. Yeah, I think he was at Starbreeze mm-hmm. making it. Um, but this yeah, they've... Allows they, me um... to uh, talk about... I've made a, a new IGN playlist this week of uh, games whose titles sound like jokes but aren't. And <laughs> Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons has always struck me as like an incredibly funny <laughs> title and it's not intended as one. <laughs> I don't... I have nothing bad mm-hmm. said about that game. It's great. Um, but yeah, The Darkness... Um, th- there is a Darkness too, right? But they didn't yeah. make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. Darkness 2. Let me have a look at... I think it was Digital Extremes that made Darkness 2. We've done our research here. Yeah. Um, Darkness 2, yes, was made by Digital Extremes, who now make uh, Warframe these days. Um, but yeah, much, much faster like shooter. I actually uh, have a lot of like for it. You know, it's, a, it's a proper good 6 or 7 out of 10. Like, like a right. real... Yeah. It, it, it sort of like classic version of like this is a game that you re- has has a lot to like about it, but it's not actually something that you should recommend to everyone. Anybody complaining at home that IGN gives out a lot of sevens? It's like sometimes sevens are really good, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I this. I think I'm right thinking like the lead singer from Faith No More yeah, it's, uh, voices the character. Yeah. He's what? really really good in it. <laughs> Bizarre things that happen yeah. in this world, aren't there? There we go. That's 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 Matt J's first one, The Darkness. Um. Shall I go next or shall you, Matt? Whoa, you, you go next. Kirby. I'll go next. My first one is oh, here's, 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 here's a little game people might not have heard of. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> As in Call of Duty 4 mm. Modern Warfare. The original Modern Warfare. I know it's not a, a hidden game. I'm not pretending <laughs> people don't know what it is. Check it out I if think you get the chance. Game of the summer. <laughs> maybe people don't... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people misremember just how incredible life changing this yeah. was like, like there, there industry changing yeah, this yeah. game is like it's unbelievable i can game. remember <laughs> I, like so i've played cod since the first game came out i can remember being mm. really excited for that first game and then when they said that oh we're going modern warfare i was like i really like world war Two. why are you doing this yeah. and i wasn't sold on it i downloaded the demo for this and the very first thing it did in the demo was you know the kind of the loading screens which are always done from satellite view Mm-hmm. And then the satellite dropped into the eyes of my character, and that yeah. in, that single animation completely sold me on the direction that what oh, they were doing. Yes. Unbelievable! So, this game, if you want to feel old, in a month turns fifteen years old. 
2007 it came out. I distinctly remember gaming the system because I wasn't, I wouldn't, it was 16 plus, I wouldn't be 16 until five months after it came out. Mm. I remember going to Argos and getting it five months before I could and feel <laughs> like I'd absolutely gamed the system. Nice. So Argos was always a good one to do it because you could order it, mm-hmm. then pick it up and they'd never really check, they'd just give it to you because you've already paid for it. Uh, so there we go. If, if you want to travel back in time, there's some tips to buying games <laughs> when you're underage in the I UK. think I got GTA 4 delivered through Amazon. I think that was the first time I'd done that yeah. like yeah didn't matter that I wasn't old enough mm-hmm. um so this was I never really had an Xbox growing up so Halo wasn't part of my life mm-hmm. so this was really the first time I got into a multiplayer shooter like massively like online shooter like losing half days to this yeah. game just playing it every single day for months I just like going just like spring i have just such vivid memories of sitting in my room on an sd tv at the time because i didn't even have an hd tv for my ps3 yet just running around vacant with a shotgun getting like 15 kill streaks like is it i think it's cross no um yeah crossfire the one where i just go on one end in a window with a barrett 50 cow just like popping people off that gun in that game was the sound of that gun was incredible and i just love in hindsight how uncomplicated it was. Mm-hmm. Just like even the leveling up, it was like your upper level, you've unlocked a new gun, or like your prestiging. Like there wasn't. I do. Lo- I still enjoy multiplayer Call of Duty now, but there's so many different layers to it. Back then, it was like equip a perk, equip a gun, go. Well, the idea and- that they in- introduced that too, like doing a multiplayer game where the guy you bring into that multiplayer session was completely like decided by you, right? Like you weren't just a mm-hmm. person who picks up a gun or whatever, like you designed how you wanted to play based on like what, what felt good for you. Mm-hmm. That didn't yeah. exist before that game. It was just, it was just, well, like world changing for me and millions of people. And that's just the multiplayer, like the campaign is just f- still phenomenal to this day. I think I just about prefer Modern Warfare's campaign to Modern Warfare 2's. Okay, but, so I'm the I'm the other way around. The, okay, yeah. I prefer. I think I slightly prefer one. That the moment we- during the Charlie Don't Surf mission when you're on the helicopter mm-hmm. and the bomb mm-hmm. goes off and the wave. That was at the time just like the most impressive thing I'd ever seen. I was like, the this idea is that you could do death level. in a campaign like that mm-hmm. without actually like. Uh, it being like thought out in a, it, it was almost like a JRPG actually. Like, his, mm-hmm. like that, that's the only yeah. thing I could mm-hmm. compare it to. I do think Modern Warfare Two. I probably slightly preferred the multiplayer. Uh, I played more multiplayer in two. So I, I think I can't speak to multiplayer at all. But um, this year I've actually been replaying quite a lot of Call of Duty games, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Modern Warfare One in terms of campaign um, has the better story. I think I think actually Modern Warfare has got teeth. Like I genuinely, you know, people talk about mm-hmm. the idea that there's nothing in these campaigns. That's not true at all. And modern warfare genuinely spoke to kind of the state of yes, it is inherently a bit right wing because it's a military shooter, but mm. it also kind of spoke to the idea of like all of these shadowy shit that our governments do, and kind yeah. of like how war was fought these days was so different to the kind of like the black and white Nazis versus kind of people that were mm-hmm. actually good. Um, and this like really kind of poked around in the idea that things were complicated these days. Um, Modern Warfare 2 doesn't have quite as much teeth. It trades kind of teeth for real good drama. And it is yeah. an excellent playable Bond film. Like, yeah. And that campaign has more texture, I think, than the first one does. But I would say that there's 
for all of the fantastic beats that Modern Warfare 2 has, like beat after beat after beat that's incredibly different from the mission you did before, I would then say nothing in Modern Warfare 2 is at the height of all gillied up. Exactly, that's what my next point was going to be. That mission alone was just... And I'm not a fan normally of sneak through enforced mm-hmm. health missions, but that is just a game changer. And the way that mission ends with the sniping, like, what a mission. Like, it just... Talking about it now, I want to go back and play that campaign because it only takes like six hours. Who is the designer of that and is yeah. also the designer of No Russian, another mission that I played like three, three yeah. weeks ago now. That also is like it's hard, but that is actually genuinely a fantastic plot beat and the way that it develops it. Mm-hmm. I just think he obviously works at Respawn now. I think um, mm-hmm. is just one of the finest kind of designers of our time and has come up with such distinct narrative kind of beats and the way he mm-hmm. puts those into levels is fantastic. Well, you've given the perfect segue, Matt. Do you want to go on to maybe what your first pick is there with a, with a little bit of respawn? Sure. So uh, Titanfall 2. That's a good game, isn't it? Literally. That is what, a good game. One of the best multiplayer games ever made, but for me, the campaign is kind of like where I get so much of my joy from. Genuine um, argument for the greatest single player FPS campaign. It's, it's top three, probably top abs- five. Yeah. yeah. yeah certainly within that thing um obviously an incredible kind of like advancement of the call of duty formula in that kind of like it takes that idea that a call of duty campaign should be giving you something different every mission and every mission should have kind of like an interesting core concept that it revolves around you know kind of like call of duty went through a period where it completely forgot how to do that Uh, i think it's back on track largely now um but titanfall is all about that but obviously has the benefit that because it's not set in any kind of modern sort of time period can revolve a lot of those concepts around the idea of that you have a giant tank that walks around with you um that has a wonderful personality who could imagine that kind of like a mech (laughs) would be like the most delightful person to, to have a chat with but um the the key thing about it is then how it uses it's not just about shooting, it's also a first-person platformer in many ways, uh, which is kind of fully introduced as... You obviously get wall running, but the way it introduces the idea of, like, this is also a platformer is in a mission called Into the Breach. Sorry, into not the into Abyss. The Breach, into the Abyss. Christ, I don't know how I've got that wrong, <laughs> considering I've spent weeks writing about this mission. Yeah. Because Check that out today on IGN. Today on IGN, there is a, is an art of the level. Uh, and play Into uh, the Breach if you want. You know, well, it's, uh, Into the Breach is also very, very good. But um, Into the Abyss is this level that is set in um, what they call the World Foundry, which is basically just a giant factory buried underground that builds a load of simulation kind of like worlds for um, the bad guys in Titanfall to kind of like do military drilling, basically. It's how they train their troops. And you uh, get stuck in there without your, without BT, without your Titan. And you have to kind of work your way through it. And it's this incredible kind of like set of like, it teaches you how to, you have to wall run and then leap and then wall run again. And there's all these machines that kind of, clapping down and smashing around around it's you. incredible it's, 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 it's absolutely and the whole thing is done above an infinite void so if you drop mm-hmm. off at any point you instantly die i think um deservingly when people talk about this campaign they talk about levels a lot of people do 
uh, talk about effect and cause, which is is worthy because mm. that is like one of the great single like mechanics in a mission that's then not used again. And yeah, just, yeah, that kind of it's like unbelievable between time design. Periods to... But I think we both agree that Into Abyss is maybe the highlight of the campaign. Yeah, I think I think Into the Abyss Into, Into the Abyss has just got. Um, I think effects and cause wouldn't be there if Into the Abyss wasn't as good as it is. Like that introduces so much of the concept. It's just that effect and cause then adds the time hopping layer so it's kind of mm-hmm. like it's not just if, if a jump is good enough it's like you need to jump and then switch time periods to get it but the actual kind of like the atmosphere and the level design of into the abyss is mm-hmm. so so good and i do think that it's the it's just a notch ahead particularly because then it also the the mission is long enough to be able to then tie in it starts as this big platforming section but then it has like a really cool combat section where you're in a simulation dome fighting off both I was going to say, that's what I remind mo- remember most about this one, like you being yeah. in that, like, and it feels like you're just in a, like, test facility, but you, yeah, yeah. like, are there, yeah, man, it's great. And the way that it kind of sets that up, it's like all the shit that you've just seen across this level gets bought into this area and fitted together and you're watching this town being built around you. It's super cool. The, the enemy it introduces there is called the Reaper, which is able to kind of, like, fire these miniature robots at you that chase you down and blow up mm-hmm. and then after you've done all that you get to escape that and then you get reunited with bt and then you get to have like a massive titan brawl with like six other titans and then you fight ash who's like the final boss titan you can find out how all of this was made on on the website at the moment because yeah like me me and cardi have made this kind of video um that that has the direct well mm-hmm. sorry the game designer a guy called david shaver who made that level along with a few other guys at respawn absolutely fascinating thing to write and research mm-hmm. um, check out yeah. on ign.com and our ign games youtube channel mm-hmm. it's not on the main one just yet uh but yeah um but that's just yeah. indicative phenomenal of the game rest of the campaign right like, exactly which like and it hits on a, like an emotional note at the end yeah do mm-hmm. you think we'll ever get a third Hope I think enough. Is it one of those where enough people are clamoring for it yet? Just stop so that mirrors age. That, that mirrors edge effect where <laughs> they feel like enough people want it. It's that thing, know. right? Is that kind of like as you say, Matt? Like Apex has kind of take over over for them, and I think you know Respawn is now synonymous with Apex mm. Legends more than it is Titanfall. Even though Apex Legends is part of the Titanfall universe, if we don't get another Titanfall, I would be sad just because I obviously. I fucking love mechs. I want to, you know, <laughs> drive around in a massive walking tank. Particularly more one than that's that, got mate. a cool personality. <laughs> yeah. And whilst I would like to see that story kind of continue, if what I have to get instead is an Apex Legends single-player campaign, which is built still around mm. wall running, still around ultimately the wall running and and that kind of like pilot gameplay is better than the Titan gameplay. And mm-hmm. so if I get a campaign entirely focused around that that's built through Apex Legends, fine, I'll take it. I just want them yeah. to do another first-person shooter campaign. Yeah, so do I. Um, I played it far too late, what, three years ago? It's not that late, but, you know, I should have played it sooner. I've been, I've started playing it again this week just because I've been making that video. I'm like, I just want to play this. Mm-hmm. It's just too good. Am I misremembering right. this? It came out in the same year or in the same kind of late month period as like Overwatch, right? Um, uh, was, yeah, so so Overwatch wasn't was, it that and cool? weren't they like well in the space of a month it got dwarfed basically. The, the problem was is that I think Overwatch Overwatch had come out a little bit earlier that year, and then in the time period that Titanfall came out, about two weeks before it was Battlefield One, which was hugely anticipated at the time, mm-hmm. and then two weeks after it was 
uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, which obviously if you were into the sci-fi and, sort of stuff. And Doom was out then as well, wasn't it? Uh, Doom earlier in the right. year. It was the same yeah. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was but, a great year for shooters. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, to Titanfall like obviously didn't have the name brand that Call of Duty had. And if you no. wanted kind of like, uh, obviously a lot of people didn't like Infinite Warfare because they're fools. But if you did want <laughs> a, like a hard sci-fi looking kind of shooter and you didn't know what Titanfall was, Call of Duty was obviously the brand to bet on because it was exactly. Infinity Ward that made it. It was a fantastic campaign. But it squeezed kind of Titanfall into oblivion, really. And even though that multiplayer is phenomenal, like absolutely mm. tremendous, uh, within weeks you could already see that player count kind of dropping out. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, hopefully we see it again one day. Right, we've got two more each. Let's get through these ones a bit quicker, shall we? Because we are running long already. What have you got next, Matt? Act- <laughs> Activision-based <laughs> shooters. You ever yeah. heard of a little thing called Singularity? Ooh. I have. Oh, yes. you're you're you just pursed your lips there, Matt. Purse. Is that how you got your name? Oh, you, you like this one, don't you? It's it's good. I like it. This is uh, again another excellent. Uh, I'm not going to obviously do the whole thing because this is Matt's thing, yeah. but yeah. an excellent example of kind of like that kind of seven out of ten. Goodness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just little self-contained story. Not much more than it needed to be. Cool weapon design. Nice, like uh, go back and change the future. Uh, yeah, silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked that there was a weapon, like uh, a sniper rifle, that slowed down time. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was Raven just before they got fully just mm-hmm. absorbed by the Call of Duty machine, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I like. Raven, I think, have been an excellent developer. Like, did you did you guys play the Soldier of Fortune games earlier? I, in your... I played which one did I? I played one of them when I was mm-hmm. a lot. It might have been the first one. Horrendously, brutally gory games. Like, I can't think of many mm. games that were grosser than Soldier of Fortune. But I had a wicked time with them as a kid, and they were Raven. Um, and yes, yeah, they're, they're singular... a Wolverine game, quite yeah. good as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're Wolfenstein, not so good. But I think Singularity mm. really kind of like was the height of. This is what Raven are really good at making. They're really good at making kind of like, yes, shooters that on the surface are just kind of like standardized shooters, but they've got that seven out of ten magic where they've got a cool concept that they work around. Mm. I do you think they went in? They were like, "Oh, we're going to make a really good seven out of 10. Like, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, nobody. I assume nobody does, but I sort of think people should. Like, mm. I almost think that's what. Um, Focus Entertainment is, right? Is they are sure. a company that I would hope internally just like, we're just going to make a load of 7 out of 10 bangers. I think they aim higher. I think they get they aim for the 8. <laughs> yeah. I definitely played this game. I'm just struggling to remember a lot about it. <laughs> that, um, like you say, Matt, that kind of almost slightly campy sort of like go back mm. to the past to change the future sort of deal. Yeah, like almost you just show up alerty. on... I remember you just like show up on an island... And like, I'm gonna spoil it. Who cares? Because it was like a decade ago. But like, I think you kill yourself at the end. Like, you prevent yourself from doing the plot of the game by sh- like. So as far as you in that like future timeline is concerned, you just show up on an island and then immediately get shot in the head. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you like prevent um, communism from taking over the world. I think right, if I'm remembering this correctly, so, uh, it's definitely got Soviet. The Cold yeah. War involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember it being quite horror as well like not quite as outright horror as something like fear mm. but um it definitely had elements of that in it also it? had a cool um ability that would like um 
change the time of an item. So if something mm-hmm. was like a little like rotten like bit of wood, you could make it back into a crate that would give you cover. But if mm-hmm. you used it on people, it would just make them completely disappear because they would turn into dust. It's great. Yeah, bring back Singularity is what we're saying. Yeah, Singularity 2, come on. Bring back all of these games. Um, right, my next one is... It's Bioshock Infinite. I think oh, I spoke course. about this game before. I, I I, love this game so much. And before people go, oh, is it really a shooter? It's a shooter. You spend most of your time in this game shooting things. Oh, yeah, this is things. more of a shooter than the other two Bioshocks are. Like- a- absolutely. You do have powers, but you're doing a lot of shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, Do you know what? That shooting feels pretty good too, especially when you're, in your, you're sky hooking around mm-hmm. a little, these little arenas that are built in, like, still one of the like best-looking game worlds and, like, places like fully formed places i've ever been in a game like i love this game so much i do i know it's slightly controversial it is my favorite bioshock game don't get me wrong i absolutely love the first bioshock but this one it's just it's more it's always resonated with me more for some reason i just think there's a lot more layers to it it's less a less of an oppressive setting which always helps to me i like it i like a colorful light place rather than just a consistently Despite grim world arguably dealing with more well, oppression that's what i was gonna like it deals with that clash of capitalism and religion that i always find really interesting in a story like false prophets etc it's very there will be blood in a way like if you boil it down there's a lot of similarities between this game and there'll be bud i'm not going to write an essay right now but i do think it aims to be something higher and maybe it doesn't nail i'm not going to say it nails all of those things but i also do think people do slightly misremember or misconstrue the message of some parts of this Mm -hmm. game and what it's trying to do like don't get me wrong it's not i'm not saying 100 percent is sensitive to everything but i also don't think it's at all bad natured and what you're, it's trying you're to talking do. about the racism element here yes you are, Cody. and you i can think... display that sort of thing without saying this is right well is what i'm saying i think part of the problem is that it was probably written with the yeah. concept around the idea of exploring the idea of the civil rights movement and what malcolm mm-hmm. x was doing but by the time it had come out i think our personal lives were in such you know not personal lives as in my life but like the global situation yeah had probably changed from the point where it was conceived. And we were then, because immediately people spoke about this, and it's like it probably didn't come out at an ideal time to be using that level of, you know, let's say nuance. Whereas now we would expect games to much more back up people in society that are underprivileged Mm -hmm. and require the backup. And so almost like that doesn't play as well now. But I think probably at the time it was written... Yeah, he thought like, that oh, it this is what video game okay. stories are like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong; like the end fight of this game, I'm not gonna spoil it, is a little bit pants. But what, so um, is Bioshocks as well. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's. But it, what it, actually in, in follows with the uh, the series? <laughs> what actually like follows that is, I think, one of the greatest endings and like twists I've seen I, in a story. Yeah. Full stop. And it gen like one of the few, very few games that Jeremy did make me a bit emotional at the end as well. I, like I sobbed or, at the end yeah. of this. Like it's. I think it's absolutely just. I just think it's an absolutely brilliant game. And is it? T- I don't know. There's. I, I was about to say, is it time for a reappraisal? Every f- six months, someone writes something about Bioshock Infinite. So it's definitely not time for a reappraisal. Yeah, it's where are we at with it on the cycle yeah. now? Is it good or is it bad? Mm-hmm. I, it's, so. I, I've. I will stand by this game. Like to me, this game is a ten out of ten game. I absolutely love this game. Um, and yeah, I've played that first hour when you're just introduced to Columbia. Mm-hmm 
probably about 30 times like i love that that my favorite opening to a game probably i just yeah can't get enough of Bioshock Infinite. I think that opening just makes me think of that YouTuber that thought that the Battle of Wounded Knee was a Skyrim reference. <laughs> um, I, I think about that every time I see that opening. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, um, Matt. I I also you know just a bat for Infinite love Bioshock Infinite a, a mm. lot, and also think that if you were uh, if you love Bioshock Infinite and looking for something similar and you haven't had anything for a while, Deathloop is a good kind of like similar it's not it's it's not as uh this isn't your next pick but no 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 you just want to get telling as, people to play yeah definitely. well it's on game pass and it's like obviously they're not the same game but i think if you're looking for kind of like that pacey shooter that mm. mixes kind of powers and has like it wants to say things about not yeah. necessarily the world but about people like i think i think you know Bioshock Infinite reaches more to be philosophical about the way the world runs and about like oppressive like regimes and, and whatever it's trying to do with populist uprising and stuff like that. Whereas obviously Deathloop isn't about that, but Deathloop is much more about what makes people tick and has yeah. interesting things that fit that game together. So I think if you are looking for something that ticks into that kind of vein, try that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm going to pick uh, Doom Eternal for my next Oh, uh, you, you love that game fucking love doom eternal <laughs> i think it's um i know a lot of people don't and prefer doom 20 that's the standards chat is I, I do prefer i do prefer doom 2016 mm-hmm. i still I think doom do eternal is a worth. very 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 good game don't get me mm-hmm. wrong i i think i just prefer the tighter version which is doom 2016 but i also understand what doom eternal mm-hmm. does and just expands on it in every way <laughs> so my thing with doom eternal that i love so much is i think it's one of the few video game first-person shooters is actually sort of like just thought, well, what's next for for mm. shooters? It, it it literally breaks down the whole formula of what makes you know the Doom and other shooters what they are, yeah. and rethinks, well, what well, what's the next step? How do we rethink this? And it it feels like a proper kind of like an, an intellectual rethink of what ultimately is just shooting the shit out of demons could be. And I know people like the the idea that it has kind of like this resource ecosystem where it's like if you need kind of like ammunition, you kind of like kill things. If you need health, you go up to them and burst them open and do a glory kill on them. If you need uh, extra kind of like uh, armor for your character, you set something on fire and you collect the armor from that. And people find that that kind of uh, loop is a bit restrictive. Whereas for me, I love it because it puts you in, in almost like a trance state. You're, you kind of like, you're moving from platform to platform, from area to area, kind of like spinning loops of these arenas, merging everything. But there's it like, it's almost a bit like a rhythm game, yeah, isn't it? Like, yeah. it mm-hmm. is like, you can see what it's like Metal Hell Singer without actually having to abide by mm-hmm. the beats. <laughs> yeah. I just love that thing of like, every new enemy in front of you is like, you just got to have that almost like lizard blame reaction to, well, what's the next thing that I have to do? Like, what am I doing? Is this person going to become health for me? Are they going to become ammunition for me? Or are they going to become kind of like armor? And I just love that kind of these little micro puzzles, along with the fact that like a battle overall is a bigger puzzle in the idea of 
every single enemy in that game is kind of weak to a specific type of weapon. So it's like, okay, there's a big floating cacodemon over here. I'm going to get out my, uh, you know, you can use the uh, the shotgun that fires the little grenades into their mouth and they, you know, they chew on it and explode. And then suddenly there's another thing over here. So I'm going to change to the big ballista weapon. Now there's just a bunch of like little enemies. So I'm going to use the, the, uh, the like the super shotgun on them. And now mm -hmm. I've got this. So I'm going to use the, the plasma gun. That constant like ticking of movement and switching from weapon to, to weapon, I think is an absolutely phenomenal like you know, reconstruction of what shooters can be. And I will bat for that game for eternity. Even the Marauders, which I think are an excellent enemy design. <laughs> they're, they're a very good enemy design, but they're an absolute pain in the arse. Which but is when, what they're meant when, to be. When you, just... learn how to, when you learn how to do them and learn how to get it right, I, just I think remember... they create such a cool... It's like you go from dancing the waltz to dancing the cha-cha. And it's kind of like... <laughs> you know all about dancing the cha-cha-cha. Oh, right? just... about... oh. I, I, can't, I can't say how much I love Doom Eternal. Yeah. There we go. It is, it is, it is good. I'll, I'll give you that. It's a very, very good game. Mm -hmm. Matt J, what's last up for you? I can't even remember at this point. Oh, it was it was bloody Hunt Showdown, didn't it? Hey. Yeah. I talked a little bit earlier in this uh, episode about uh, the way that I've been playing Call of Duty, like playing, paying really close attention to footsteps and positioning. Mm. Um, and it's not a way that I played COD before. And I've started doing it just because I've had so much experience with Hunt Showdown this year. Uh, I didn't really get into it when it first came out because it's one of those weird instances where I just like I was put off by the movement of all things. Mm -hmm. I just didn't quite like how heavy I felt at the time, um, and so I just put it down. And only after a couple friends were like, "Hey, you should really give this a, a, a shot. Um, I think it's got some interesting stuff to say." Uh, I was like, "All right, give this a go." And I've never had that experience of like playing a level with an expectation that like. Uh, at a second's notice the objective could change like you have always got to do the same thing you've always got to like have the boss be killed and exit the map with it but if you're scared of your inability to do that then it's just run the hell away um or is it just like wait for somebody else to do it and then try and uh, ambush them like second by second what you think you should be doing completely changes and it's captivating um and the idea of like those um, momentary decisions are sometimes based on entirely random factors. Like, mm -hmm. is a, uh, a hive on legs going to be walking towards you? Do you want to, like, do a loud gunshot to get rid of it? Um, but maybe potentially leaving yourself exposed to, like, somebody coming up and getting you. But if, the, if you don't take care of it and then somebody does ambush you, are you in a worse position? Like, every mm -hmm. decision you make is based on ideas like that. Um, it's utterly fantastic. Give give yeah. Hunt Showdown a shot if you ain't. I, so we, me and Matt, did we play this a bit when it launched? Did uh, I play it with I, you? I, I played I, it a lot with my friend Jeremy, but we did play it a little bit in the office. Yeah. I think I played it quite a bit around launch. So I haven't touched it probably since about a month after launch, so it probably has changed quite a bit. I do remember thinking this is like a fantastic concept, and it got a lot like the setting right, the atmosphere of it right, and the core. I do think that core um, idea is very very good. I just remember always. Bit hating the game whenever I ran into another player, basically. Mm -hmm. True. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically. I I I love the creature design in this game. Mm -hmm. I do love it all. I kind of just I always wanted a version where there wasn't other players in it, which I know is the whole point of the game, is there's other hunters out there. But, what I will um, say is it in because obviously um Hunt Showdown is kind of like I guess like the sprout evolution from Battle Royale in that kind of like yeah. it's not about being the last person standing, it's about getting in 
killing a monster, stealing for some reason a token out of the monster <laughs> and extracting it out of the map. And I think that concept is fantastic. But it was the first time since PUBG that I've ever had the fear of sitting in a house and hearing someone coming upstairs yeah. mm-hmm. and knowing it's like, I'm pretty good at shooters, but I don't know if the shot that I'm going to get off is going to be the one that wins me this. That, that fear is unlike yeah. anything. Yeah, it's so well, good. And that permadeath just adds to everything, mm-hmm. doesn't it, as well? Because you can lose that character you spent weeks building up just like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's definitely one of the more tense games I've played. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I might, I might jump back into it. One Let's day. play some Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, one day we will go back into it. Right, my last pick is one a bit more out of left field, but I've always had a soft spot for this game. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Black. Who remembers Black? Mm-hmm. I've never played it. You've never played Black? That no. surprised me. I thought you've played every single FPS campaign ever made. I, mean, I try. I try to, <laughs> but like, I actually downloaded this off because it's on a uh, Game Pass, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's 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 on the console. It's just I've never got around to it. I would re- right. Let me let me let me sell. Let me Black sell you. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who's it made game by? Always- it's made it's by Criterion. Criterion. See, yeah. this mm-hmm. is the weird thing. Right in the middle of their burnout run, so after Revenge and before Paradise, they make this FPS game. And I just Got to have a I love scenery, this. haven't you? Got to... Like this is another probably in hindsight stone cold seven out of ten. But I just have a massive spot for it because it it's short, it's sharp to the point, and it's kind of like non-stop explosive action for six hours. This game came out in two thousand and six. It still looks pretty damn good at the time. It blew me away how good it looked this was like the most like it was a year before modern warfare this was like the new bar for like cinematic fps for me it was so good and more than anything the sound design like this is a ps2 game even just watching back bits now some of it sure looks a bit muddy but you could still play this game today i think and have a great time like they basically criterion they wanted to do for shooting what burnout did for racing is what they said like there's a quote here they they literally say that they want to do for shooting what burnout did for racing they want to tear it apart they didn't quite do that modern warfare kind of came along and did that but like they really like emphasized destructible environments and like the behavior of the guns like it's almost a little bit bordering on gun porn at times but like they're very focused, you know. In the car games, they're very focused on the cars. In this, they're very focused on the guns themselves. So like bullets would actually leave damage. Like for back in two thousand and six, this is a big thing. Like you'd see bullet holes and stuff like that. It might not be as impressive these days, but like the thing that does hold up, I think, is the sound design of this game, which is still unbelievable. Like I've got an excerpt here from Wikipedia, which is just a mad paragraph, which I'm going to read. So. Emphasising the game's action film heritage, sound effects for the weapons in the game are based on various sounds from films. For example, Bruce Willis's Heckler and Cock MP5 in Die Hard, Jack Bauer's Pistol in 24, and Arnold Schwarzenegger's Uzi in True Lies. Realising in the chaos of a heavy gun battle that the heavy mix of sound and music would produce a cacophony of noise, the sound designers developed a choir of guns concept. So where in a traditional shooter each weapon model would be assigned a different sound, Black assigns each enemy their own voice, so similar to each member of a choir, they'd have an own distinct voice. So if three enemies are firing, one would be assigned a low tone, one would get a medium voice, and the other would get a third voice. So it was like, it sounded like nothing, it wasn't just like bullets, it actually sounded like full, like, war going on. I've never been in a war, but to me this is what it was like, like... 
it is short. You it qualify didn't have more... for a veteran's discount because you played black. <laughs> exactly. Like I love black for what it is—a short, simple, explosive campaign. There never was a multiplayer, which was always like the the hit against it. It was just kind of like you pay for this game, five six hours done, like eight missions. I think it was. But I absolutely love it. We did get a spiritual sequel by some of the devs called Body Count. I don't know if you remember Body it's Count. It's not very good. No, it sadly <laughs> didn't pan out too well. But like, if we ever got a remaster of Black, I see no reason why they'd do it. But <laughs> let's remaster Black. Um, I want you to play Black, Matt, and tell me what you think about it. Uh, uh, I, I definitely will. Yeah, there we go. And uh, um, sorry, everybody, we don't have any time left to talk about Brink. <laughs> yeah, I know, sadly. Um Matt P, though, you do have one more game to talk about. I do, yes. Uh, and I'm kind of going to jump on this bandwagon of kind of like, let's talk about something that's maybe not an obvious pick. Mm. Um, I'm going to pick it from an obvious series, which is Halo. But I'm going to bat for Halo 4, which is Ooh. generally like when it came out. I've not played this one. I didn't yeah. even play it either. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Halo 4 is the first Halo that is from uh, 343 Industries. So, you mm-hmm. know, kind of Bungie has let go of the series. They've gone off to make Destiny. You don't um, want to let go of a Bungie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fall down if you do well, that. Well, yes, yes, yeah. Um, They've been given enough rope. Yeah. Oh, dear, dear. That one really um, struck a chord with me. <laughs> uh, they'll bounce back. Anyway. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so, obviously, Microsoft doesn't want to let Halo go, though, right? So, they bring hmm. they, they assemble 343 Industries, and Halo 4 is their first game. I think 343 have gone on to have uh, uh, an odd relationship with Halo. I think Halo 5 is dreadful. Um, actually, a piece of shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Infinite, I think, has good ideas, but ultimately struggles. I think, kind of like, you know, if we head back to last year's conversations, I think the open world side of Infinite... Mm-hmm has got lots of interesting ideas, but the campaign missions quite often came down to walking down identical corridors. Has and... that game got co-op yet? What have they been doing for the I past year? I think it's got They're just not talking about it. Co-op. Oh, though. no, it was that you can't do it in split screen. Yeah, right? yeah, you yeah, can do the... it online, but I think it's still Ooh. considered beta. Um, it's not good, is it? But, um, yeah, kind of Infinite, I think, has like struggles with how it deals with its Cortana storyline um, and struggles with a lot of like really memorable kind of campaign missions not something that um i think halo 4 suffers from i think halo 4 is you know comes after kind of they've done obviously halo 3 and reach uh and odst kind of like big kind of very very good uh mm. bungee shooters and halo 4 is much more in the lineage of those um it's kind of chief sort of change is i think it's much more cinematic in a way that halo halo has obviously a a very distinct sense of cinema particularly from two and three onwards but halo 4 almost like leans more into the way that call of duty does cinema there's a lot more like done from master chief's perspectives like very early in the game there's a bit where you're falling down a lift shaft and it's his hands kind of grabbing at the edge of the shaft and stuff like that that very Call so of Duty. Speak. Oh dear, I've realised what. <laughs> Sorry, but um, it's got it's got kind of more of the kind of Call of Duty lent to it, and it's a bit more kind of linear. The, in the shaft's way got a uh, Call of Duty lent. Oh God! This uh, is poor my Matt. biggest Tobias Funke moment. I've ever had. Um, uh. But it's kind of 
um, it's it's got the drive to it that a Halo campaign should, um, but it also has like maybe a little bit more of a traditional sci-fi story in that it has like a an enemy that's like this a classic big bad that's an evil alien, but it's got he's got like a real sense of menace and destructiveness to him, and kind of the journey to kind of taking him out feels like exciting and it feels like a reason for, to bring Master Chief back. Um, it whilst it's a more linear game, it still has kind of some of the open areas of Halo. Probably nothing to quite the extent that one and three does, but still has that good switch up between kind of like you're on foot on this point, now you're in vehicles mm-hmm. on this point, and it opens up a bit. You get kind of like uh, there's extra vehicles. There's kind of like a mech in there, which obviously caters to me very well. Um, but overall, I think Halo Four was a real good kind of like let's do everything that Bungie was good at, but push the narrative forward and push a little bit of the visual presentation into our ideas or what we've got. I think it was kind of like the perfect starting point for a new trilogy that I think they kind of bungled, really. Um, And I'm still waiting for 343 to finally properly find their feet. I think Infinite could be the start of something good for them, but Infinite wasn't it. Um, But yeah, like uh, for people that kind of like are super big fans of what Bungie did, I would say go and reappraise Halo 4 if you didn't like it, or if you haven't played it, I think you'll get a lot out of it, because I do think it's genuinely very good. There we go. A lot of good recommendations there. If you've never played any of those shooters, give them all a go. If you want to play a lot of, like, between six and eights. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a fantastic little list for you. Hey, um, I, gave, I gave two Stone Cold classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I would say two of mine are arguably tens. Um, not black. Um, if you have any shower, uh, showers, shooters, you want to shout out or a particular one that, that warms the cockles, um, why don't you send those into IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com as these people have emailed in. Sorry, no endless search this week because we have waffled on about guns for far too long. Um, who's got the first email? It is me. Oh, it's, it's, it's Matt Senior. This this is from uh, Chris Boots. I think we've had mm-hmm. him before because I'm fairly sure we've had the discussion. Is it Chris Boots or Chris Booties? It's definitely just Boots. Surely, <laughs> <laughs> there's no. <laughs> um, but Chris says, "Hey, IGN UK crew, responding to Joe's call for feedback on the GTA leaks or leaks in general, I purposefully tried to avoid any videos or screenshots and muted GTA on Twitter because I'm not a fan of leaks." A, because I like to go into games, especially story-heavy ones, as blind as possible. Even things relatively inconsequential like boss fights. Uh, Who's this from God of War, sorry? Razor? Is this from... Which which boss is this? I'm just looking it up. Should I play God of War? Oh, I know. It's, It's a big old dragon. Oh, okay, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, the I hidden understand. dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can be really cool and fun surprises if you haven't had them spoiled already. Uh, and B, it invites scrutiny from idiots on the internet who say things like graphics are the first thing finished in a game, which just shits over years of hard work that the developers have been doing. It feels a bit like watching a table read and saying, <laughs> this film looks shit. Uh, I also don't get what the leaker was hoping to achieve, apart from providing they could leak the game. Maybe they just wanted more likes and followers. <laughs> anyway, keep up the great work, and as always, respect the C. Yeah, I, I don't know why you would leak something because yeah, like it's said, clout. You're not, getting, yeah. you're not even 
there's no financial benefit. Mm-hmm. And even if you're getting followers, that account's getting deleted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, kind of like, um, obviously there's no confirmed kind of finality at this point of whether like no. there's there's a lot of reports saying about like someone has been kind of like arrested and stuff like that. But until we get like a final report on that, we can't mm-hmm. say exactly what's going on. But I would imagine that this person would be part of like a hacking ring. So yeah. There's obviously it's more of like proving within... their skills. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they're either from two places. Leaks normally aren't they? They're either that, or they're a disgruntled employee who's giving the middle finger as they're leaving or something. Or, like that's or an <laughs> idiot like person that has been to a press event and, yeah, yeah. and just broken NDA. But these sort of leaks obviously come from within the yeah. the company at some level. So it obviously feels like a hack, and as you say, kind of clout within yeah. a hacking community, and also as you say, likes, follows, creating chaos on... It's that Joker thing, right? Like, some people yeah. just fucking <laughs> love to see the world burn. Yeah, exactly. I, I see no benefits to it. I think most people, nine out, nine out of ten mm-hmm. people would prefer it didn't happen. Like, leaks can be beneficial, like, if they're workplace, like, if they're, like, things that are horrible things that happen, like, but not actually just linking footage of something being like, look at this. Like, when has that ever benefit? It's like when you see, it's the same sort of thing. Like, to a less sense, it's not really a leak. It's just someone taking a photo. Like, you see set photos of like superhero films of people mm-hmm. in suits, and they're like, this looks terrible. It's like, of course it does. They're just in clothes. Like, this, you're not yeah. seeing the effects. You're not seeing what it's meant. Yeah, if meant you're a photographer, like. you never show the client. You're just yeah. like, you're shot without doing any color correction it's on ridiculous. it. Yeah, like, uh, it's like me publishing bullet points for review being like here's what I thought it's like that's not a very detailed review is it yeah because those are literally my initial <laughs> notes I've made like as it's, soon it's, as you like, left the preview event yeah you have yeah, like, a chance to I've got a bullet it. point that says lots of guns mm-hmm. it's like uh, that's not beneficial to anyone is it um, oh yeah, no, it no. would actually say lots of guns and then in uh, <laughs> like um, in brackets it would say check how many with the PR later yeah exactly <laughs> it'd be a question too many um, yeah it's just, yeah no one likes leaks like yeah, it's just it's just annoying, isn't it? I think it's good, actually. I think we should yeah. do more of them. <laughs> uh, that is that was a, fasci- a, uh, a facetious uh, statement, I believe. Um, there we go. I've got an email here from CJ. He says, "Afternoon, lads. Last week you asked which film we could watch a hundred times in a row, and I instantly knew my answer." If anyone asked me what my favourite ever was, I'd say Requiem for a Dream. But there's no way I'm watching that repeatedly. <laughs> no, no way. Um, Speaking of Frick of a Dream, I watched Blonde this week, the Marilyn Monroe film on Netflix. Oh, that sounds mm. like a real chore. It's hard work. I know what they were going for. I, I, it's a whole different debate. Is it? it I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I found it dull more than anything than borderline offensive, but more dull than anything. Uh, I know what they're doing. Didn't, didn't work for me. Um, right, it's Requiem for a Dream. Tough watch. But a, but a good film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you wouldn't watch that a hundred times in a row. Uh, CJ does say the film that he could easily watch that many times is Back to the Future. I watched the entire trilogy a few times. You might not years. be ready it for is. it yet, but your kids are going to love it. Exactly. <laughs> if, there, if there is nothing else to put on while I'm working, I'll pop those on and let them wash over me. It's not challenging. It's not too loud or in your face. It's got an amazing soundtrack and score that gives me goosebumps every time. Everyone's a delight to see on screen, and it just generally a really fun time. I'm sure that 100 times in a row would lessen it a bit, but I can't think of anything else I'd rather marathon than that. Uh, side note, I once marathoned all the Saw films, and that was a terrible idea. It's a pretty solid downhill slope in quality, and I became d- completely desensitised to violence by the end, and the last three all blurred into one. Respect the C. Much love, CJ. 
uh, I believe from Code Marla, who produced the uh, Endless Search jingle, which you uh, will not have heard this week, sadly. Um, Let's play it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more about this about a hundred uh, film I could watch hundred times in a row. This one is kind of because it's got a little bit of recurrent, recurrent for the dream to it, but it's got so much that I can rewatch that um, I'm gonna say it might be Boogie Nights because I knew you were gonna say Boogie Nights. I am um, not only did I listen to the rewatchables this week, who did a two part four hour um, examination of the film, which uh, made me want to watch the film again. Like I watched this film a couple of times a year as it is anyway, because for two hours of two and a half hours of it it is really fun just hilarious a fun time in the 1970s porn industry um but (laughs) there is a good 15 to 20 minute chunk of it which is real hard work (laughs) which is the bit maybe you'd skip over a bit or like that's when you go make a sandwich in your hundred film run every every hundred times but um yeah do you get a 10 minute break between showings or do you i don't know yeah i do it i do it during the uh during, (laughs) during the car park scene i'll say no more um but yeah that film is just endlessly fun to me so yeah i would That'd be my pick. Have you guys got a film? I think we took Matt. Did we talk about it last week? I said Toy Story. That's the yeah, X. Yeah. It's quick. I've yeah. got. See, I've I've made the fool's error in there of picking a two and a half hour film. <laughs> um, have you be, got um, one, Matt? Yeah, it'd be Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, that was a that's a good one. I think I probably good. have done it. There was a there was a <laughs> thread of time when it came out on DVD where I think I just went to a mate's house like every day and we just put it on. Like, you need something with a laugh in it. There was a time where like at university. Like I think me and my friends watched Anchorman about five times in a day. Just mm. had it on repeat. Um, I still think it's funny. It's probably not got the same uh, level of humour as I remember it, but Anchorman's still brilliant, I think. But uh, yeah, it'd have to be something with a bit of humour, wouldn't it? Um, also, Matt, I think that the, uh, the Saw films thing is actually a really good way of watching it, personally. Because so yeah. many of those plot threads are kind of like you almost forget that it had anything to do with somebody from the previous movie. I think yeah. like actually just watching it all through is a nice way to like, yeah, hang on to that. So much. I'll yeah. still always stand by those first two Saw films, I think, are really good. brilliant. Yeah. I think um, that the first one is like actually a, a real like revitalization of what horror movies could do at that time. And yeah. the second one was very clearly a different script that they just sort of bolted <laughs> on. Like, I love it though. It's, it's got a mad twist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I also like I've got quite a lot of love for all of them. Like yeah. Um You just love blood. Yeah, exactly. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, um, well, it's not the only body fluid that I love. Oh no! Well, because I'm very happy. Please to talk read about on before. this uh, this message from uh, Michael Griffith Dixon. Subject line, and this is a great way to start this one. Uh, I pissed on my PS4. Dot dot dot. Probably. It's <laughs> um, quite We've long, so so strap in. Uh, I also didn't pick this one. I don't want people to get the impression that I'm mad for piss. But, uh... No, no, but I knew you were, so <laughs> yeah. I gave it to you. Good. All right. Hi, all. <laughs> I thought the subject caught your attention. I've been meaning to write in for a while now with this story, but I was waiting for a request that wasn't so specific to gravediggers. When I was at university in my second year, the house I lived in had a sink in each bedroom. It was a great addition for students to stop a queue for the bathroom shared between four people. My housemates and I, the boys anyway, would often wee in our sinks rather than use the toilet if the loo was occupied or it was late at night. Probably pretty gross to lots of people, but what is a toilet if not a sink but lower down? Um... Um... I'm going to take a pause for a second now. We can just take that one out. <laughs> uh, yeah. d- like, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt P. Mm-hmm. I imagine, like, you're the sort of person that's just going to roll your eyes the whole way through this, I think. Like, t- <laughs> to you, this is a disgusting affair. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you put <laughs> your hand. Also, it's it's a wash hand basin, not a sink. Mm. A sink is in your kitchen. And therefore, you put your hands in a wash hand basin. 
can't flush I, a sink. I, I've, I've never peed in a sink. Let's carry on. <laughs> anyway, I kept my PS4 and TV on a wooden dresser, perpendicular, and a few feet from the sink. One night I came home rather inebriated and crashed into bed. The next morning I woke to find none of the electronics were working. A fuse had blown. I look over to my PS4 and it is soaking wet. <laughs> a transparent liquid dribbling down the front oh, of the dresser. A, that's a horrible dribbling. It's good no. that it was transparent though. It means that you're drinking enough water. <laughs> yeah. At well, time, we don't know what it is, though, do we? I didn't think that I'd pissed on it. I still don't remember pissing on my beloved console. You wouldn't. Instead, you wouldn't. I accused my housemate, who had been in my room earlier with a glass of water that was nowhere to be found. I even enlisted a neutral housemate. <laughs> like a neutral is in, like, the piss is kind of acidic. But, yeah. like, the housemate is neutral. Anyway. Uh, to smell the liquid. His findings were inconclusive, although airing on the side of water, not piss. You'd definitely smell it if it was, especially mm, if it was a day You would know, yeah. Yeah. Um, however, later a memory came to me. I woke in the night, still drunk, and went for a wee in the sink. Hmm. And I do recall Why are you not a worrying amount of splashback. No <laughs> yeah, because the whole... I, I it call, was to break the queue. I, exactly, no that is the part just, that I don't like. You toilet. know what? If you are like utterly desperate, completely understand, mate. Fill your boots. Don't fill your boots. Fill your sink. Mm. But <laughs> if if the argument is that the yeah, it's the middle of the night. No one else is in there. You've yep. I'm mm. I'm not on your side anymore. Mm. Um, okay. Anyway, um, I recall a worrying amount of splashback. Could I have turned ninety degrees in my drunken stupor? Long story short, I dried out the PS4 mm. and it turned on, but the disk drive would constantly reject anything put in. It was one of the touch-sensitive buttons, which now seems to always detect a phantom finger. <laughs> I would never really know if I did piss on my PlayStation. I will let you judge, but my mates have taken to call it Piss 4, or now the new Piss 5. <laughs> uh, I reckon Is there anything about Grave Diggers? No. <laughs> I, uh, I reckon you pissed on your PlayStation. Yeah, you pissed on your PlayStation, mate. Yeah. I mean, Sorry I was going to say it happens. I don't know if it has happened to anyone else. Mm. Um, right in, if you've ever. <laughs> we've all been, we've all been drunk. It, all, it happens. Um, that hasn't happened to me. Though. No, so that. far electronics uh, have stayed clear of yeah. my. Um, uh, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. I don't want piss. This might stories. be my last episode of the show. Yeah, yeah. I don't want. Uh, I don't want piss stories. I want. You know, if if you have you ever broken your console in yeah, a weird way, like some people, you know, if you, if you shoved a biscuit into the disk drive or something, people people always do mad stuff like that. I always look after my things personally, but you always hear stories of someone thinking it'd be funny to put like a slice of ham in a disk drive, or I don't know, a cheese string in a USB socket. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, if you've ever done anything like that. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com. What music do we want? What should we go for? Ooh, what game? What game do we talk about that had a good, good old music? Can we just have Rip and Tear? We oh, go away yeah. with it, right? I think we had Doom last time. Uh, we, we've used Doom so much. Or the, what about? I know you guys like the Hunt Showdown menu music. I do. It's, it's very good. good. Yeah, it's go, got a good go drop a as well. I hope it's playing underneath us as we speak, and the drop comes in as we end.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.